Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, May 26, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst Taylor Muckerman, and in following through on this week's life cycle theme, we're going to be talking about the lifetime journey of a barrel of light sweet crude oil. Uh, so how's it going, Mr. Muckerman? It's going well. Swimmingly. Uh, swimmingly. 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 Um, so I guess since this is life cycle week and we're talking about the journey that mm-hmm. a barrel of oil goes on from being in the ground to, uh, we probably won't get all the way to the gas tank, but, uh, no, uh, that's a, that's for another day. Another day. Another day. Um, but, uh, should we start in the beginning with like a, a dinosaur dying or something 300 million years ago? If you want to walk us through the biology and the chemistry side of how it became oil, sure. I think I took my last chemistry class about 16, no, that would have been in high school, I don't know, 14 years ago, something, anyway. Um, We obviously won't get too much into uh, the chemistry or anything like that, but um, okay, so let's just pretend, let's talk about exploration first, Um, because there's oil in the ground, it's there, we don't know how deep it is, how do companies go about finding it? Um, Well, they have data, size... They use seismology. The ge- geographic regions just are kind of conducive to oil, so you can kind of target certain areas of certain countries that you know are more likely to have it than not. But then once you get into it, um, they're using lasers. They're using uh, they use dis- lasers discovery wells. Where do I get one of these? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, if the the fool's paying you enough to buy one of those lasers, yeah. I need to switch jobs. They um wasn't it that like Drake's well in Pennsylvania? They like basically drilled there because there's like a natural pool of oil like hanging yeah. out somewhere. That's how they found oil 130 years ago. That was ago, the lowest of the low hanging fruit. Got it. Yes. That was okay, got it. You know the thing's still pumping by the way. Is it really? Yeah. I I, I, I went there on like a road trip because me and my friend were huge nerds. And uh yeah, it produces like twelve barrels a year or something. Yeah, that's the old decline curve for you. <laughs> um so how much money do uh, let's just pretend you have x dollars of a yes. capex budget if you have some examples great but um how much of a capex budget goes to going out and finding the oil so for a producer um let's just say look at u.s exploration yeah, and production um so looking at just u.s spending this year estimates of 73 billion will be spent on exploration and drilling um, and the remainder of that will be from the production side. So you're looking at 73 billion for just exploration and drilling, and expectations of 87 billion total. So big seven chunk, eighty percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a big chunk. And exploration being the largest of that, drilling, um, it's expensive. But finding this oil is is arguably the hardest and most and it's, expensive. Yeah, it's the riskiest part. Yeah, right. Um, so. And those totals that I gave you are both down the seventy three billion yeah, for exploration and drilling down forty percent from last year, and last year twenty fifteen was down thirty seven percent from two thousand fourteen. So Jeez. we're seeing we're seeing big numbers seventy three billion dollars is a lot of money, but it's it's small pittance compared to what right. we we're spending in 2014, 2013, 2012. Got it. Yeah. Has that has the cost of exploration through technological advances come down at all? Uh, somewhat depends on where you're exploring, right? Like if you're in a familiar area, like if you're in Texas or I was about to say in the Permian, Saudi Arabia, s- yeah, somewhere where they're already producing a lot of oil, um, not necessarily as as bad. But if you go offshore, um, mm-hmm. not only is it expensive, but it's risky because um, yeah, 
you you have oil fields, but at the same time, it costs a heck of a lot of money to drill that first discovery well. Um, and then you have appraisal wells to see, hey, maybe discovery wells finds the oil. Appraisal wells determine maybe how much you're going to produce from that well, and then and then between those two, then you determine, hey, we're going to go full bore and, and drill to the depths of this well and try and extract as much as we can, which in total really isn't that much because the average around the world we're really only extracting about 35% of the oil that they're discovering. Oh, wow. Yeah, so just there's be, a lot yeah. left in there just be, because technology. Uh, we just don't have it um, to, to extract all that. We're trying to extract more, and we've been getting better at that, but the the global average is, is less than 40% coming yeah. out of the ground. Yeah, and um, not only that, but uh, sometimes wells are duds. I mean, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, yeah. but they fail, especially in the offshore stuff. Mm-hmm. I hear all the time about like, yeah, we drilled here, and yeah, there's nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah, they either find it and they, and it produces, and just not as much as they were expecting, or or yeah, it just it's a total dud. Um, you hear about? I feel like I hear about that less often now, mm-hmm. um, thanks to companies like Core Labs that can really identify where, how, and when to produce this oil, um, and so. Uh, With science, mad science. Science, yes. Yeah, science has really taken over this industry. It's no longer just brute force. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's just pretend you and I, uh, we'll call it uh, Muckerman and O'Reilly, producers or oil and gas That's or something. Fine. We go out, we, we found some oil in the ground. Yeah. We, our, our, our exploration guys were successful. Mm-hmm. think there's, I don't know, 10, mil, 10 million barrels down there. Um how long are we going to be leasing a rig? Like, how how does the drilling process work? Because that does seem to be the next step in the life of yeah. a barrel of oil. So, um, companies like Halliburton and Schlumberger, and uh, they they've reduced the drilling time significantly. So, um, we're looking at you know a few days really now, where we were, were several weeks, um, thanks to pad drilling, uh, where they basically put these rigs, these drilling rigs on tracks and they instead of having to totally disassemble it for each individual well Mm -hmm. they just leave it on tracks and they just basically drive it to the next site and it can start immediately so so uh, they when you say tracks are we talking like reusable railroad tracks or some of them use that some of them are just on on glorified like bulldozer um, okay the with the treads yeah yeah, exactly um but yeah a lot of them are on like a system where they, the the track system where Got it's, it. it's straight line, a lot of uh, a lot of um, cubes. These are just aligned in like square plots, and then they just drive this thing around. And taking a step back, if we had gone out and uh, you know we're just over there in the Permian Basin, in West Texas, and we're like, okay, we just bought this lease. We think there's oil down there. Mm-hmm. When we did the test well for the exploration, did Halliburton or Schlumberger give us? that rig too like who who did that do we own our yeah, own yeah so some of the bigger companies will own their own own their own rigs but it's probably a small like it is okay expenditure and um, is it just do companies do that just to be more flexible like they yeah. don't want to put up 50 million dollars for the stupid rig they'd rather just they're expensive and like to... we've seen rig use ebbs and flows um, right so uh you kind of overexpose yourself to like, i would imagine like only the the super integrated have a it, have their own impactful number of rigs yeah okay got it okay so we drilled um does it (laughs) what does it look like still like you ever see there will be blood and like they they drill the well and no not only the donkeys but just like explodes up when you strike oil and everything uh, i mean it's still dirty uh they're still they're still the workers are still coin roughnecks i mean it's still a very um labor-intensive dirty job but thanks to technology and, and regulations that 
necessarily don't want oil spurting out of the ground willy-nilly and, and leaking gas. Um, so you still see gas flaring, so you're still going to see the flames at a lot of these sites that they're flaring off the gas that is coming out in increments too small to be monetized, mm. um, which government's cracking down on that as well because it does release, you know, harmful That's you know, gas into burnt, the yeah. into the into the atmosphere. So, um, but then again, like with all these wells, people think that they just produce forever, which they don't. Uh, especially in the U.S., with these shale wells, you're looking at. Um, in the Bakken in particular, 70 to 80% decline rates in that first in year. year. So, so you're seeing tremendous initial flows, like very, very impressive initial flows, but you have to keep drilling, which is kind of why we got into the mess we're in, is because companies had to keep drilling because these wells just, they don't dry up, but 70% loss production in one year. After four years, you're down to 20%. Like it's, it's not good. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. So, um, how, and obviously it's going to depend on the region we're in. So, maybe throw out a few scenarios. But, okay, so our, our oil company mm-hmm. for this barrel of yeah. oil that we're going out to find, um, Mark Minow and Riley. I want more than one barrel, though. You do? Well, yeah. fine. Anyway, um, stick with the theme, man. Um, throw out a couple scenarios, I guess, for like Permian and the Bakken and maybe offshore if you feel mm-hmm. like it. Um, how long until we have to actually drill again? Because I know with fracking, you can kind of like pull the the rig back up and go another direction and all that stuff. But how yeah, long? Yeah, you have the horizontal drilling and yeah. these these bits. They basically are you know. I can, I can only imagine when virtual reality really sets in and and you you're basically you are the drill bit, just like following yeah. along. But yeah, you can you can drive these. I mean, they're making gradual directional changes, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Over don't have hundreds to go. Upon hundreds they don't of feet. Have, they're yeah. not going in straight lines anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so how? Okay. So you and I go out. We got this this field in the Permian or whatever, and we drill. You know, and there's the oil coming up. How long do you think until we have to drill again? Um, well, you're looking at globally. Uh, if you stop drilling, these decline rates are going to impact. You know, anywhere from five to ten percent globally. Uh, probably on the lower end of that. Uh, yeah. Because the bulk of oil produced. Is is a mature fields conventional oil like Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, um, has very low decline rates compared like to like three percent, something yeah, like that. So, yeah, and that's where the bulk of oil is coming from. So, um, outside of North American shale production, um, you're probably looking at maybe a five percent drop. Okay. If, we, if no one produced for a year, if nobody drilled another well, yeah, if no one drilled another well, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so, but. Demand supposedly increasing and um, plus five percent is five percent. Yeah, I that's mean, you're, a lot of oil. You're, you're producing ninety four, ninety five million barrels today. Yeah. I mean, five percent of that would be you know uh, four. That, I mean, that's a big crunch. Yeah, and so you would certainly see prices spike, which is why um, I don't think you're going to see a, a cease drilling ever. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of these what Americans producers have been doing is drilling the well they're just not fracking it so they're they're doing the expensive part which is the spudding the drilling mm-hmm. um and then they're just sitting on it waiting for the right time the mon- the they're storing the most, it in the ground the best economical time uh to go ahead and frack the well which is the explosion and the the influx of sand and water or co2 uh to, to then separate those fissures and allow the oil to free itself so there's a lot right there behind the spigot. They just have to turn it on. Got it. Okay. All right. So the next step in our journey, as I understand it, is actual production. Yeah. Okay. So we went out. We spent all this money and took all this risk finding the barrel of oil or the oil in the ground. We uh, we drilled for it. Now we have the production, which mm-hmm. is the fruits of our labors. Um, how hard is it to keep a I guess shale well going? Because that's I don't. It's probably one of the more interesting things we could touch yeah. on. 
Um, and what about one of those huge fields off the coast? Like, how hard is that to keep going? Because there's, I, I found this one company, name escapes me, but there's like, you know, companies that specialize in helicoptering oil employees to like these rigs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, those companies I mean, have is... really been hurt um, as far as their stock prices are concerned, but that was a big business. Yeah. Um, and it probably will be one day, if, you know, unless something magical happens and we no longer rely on oil because offshore is the next big thing. Um, because there's a lot of oil there to be had, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the production side is relatively easy compared to the exploration and the and the drilling side, because um, the intense pressure is what keeps the oil flowing out. So right. really, all they're doing, they're obviously it's one of the more serious sides of the business because we've all seen the the oil leak in the mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico and and oil smaller oil leaks around the country happen from time to time during the production phase. Um, so it's Equally as serious, if not more serious, but it it's relatively easy. Um, it's pretty much the hard work is done, unless you're going to go back and refrack these wells, which is about to be a new thing where they're going to um, utilize the same wells, try and access more than just 35% of the oil underground. Uh, also using enhanced oil recovery techniques like water flooding. Pump some carbon dioxide pump some water, down there. Pump some carbon dioxide. They'll, they'll backfill it. So they'll, they'll drill a, um, a separate hole where they'll only pump the water or the CO2 in, and that'll enter the well that they've already drilled and force that leftover oil there. There's even starting to like add microbes into this water to that somehow attach to the oil, and they... they make it more fluid so it removes itself from the well a little bit easier. So there's a lot of these new techniques that people are trying that are working. Um, So the production side still has some maintenance if you want to extract more than just a typical well will will pump out itself. Um, But it's really all just about the pressure, which is what created the oil in the first place, heat and pressure. And and so now you're releasing that. and, And so relative to the finding and the drilling, it's the easier part. So uh, you're talking about uh, all these alternative newer newer methods, like mm-hmm. you know all that. Are there any companies that come to mind that are at the forefront of all that? Um, Devon Energy, as a producer, is uh, most certainly. Um, Schlumberger is talking about ten thousand or so wells that have been drilled in the last five years that are eligible for refracking. They think in term not oh, wow. not eligible like somebody signed. Yes, this this well can be refracted, <laughs> but that would probably benefit from being refracted. Okay, have the right geology that would support it. Um, so you're looking at the bigger players in this picture. Core Labs comes to mind as like an assistant. They're not going to mm-hmm. go out there and do the drilling, but they do all the core sampling. Uh, so if you have a well that maybe not, maybe isn't producing like you thought it would, you can go in there and, and give them a core sample of the, of the earth five, 6,000 feet below the surface. Uh-huh. And they can analyze that and maybe adjust the, the, the so- grains of sand that you're using in terms of size or oh, the, the amount of sand that you're using or the type of water or the type of CO2 or whatever, they can analyze that and, and give you the ultimate specific, specific nature of what you can drill with. Cool. All right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's very, very confusing. We toured Core Labs a couple of years ago and what they're doing there is is quite outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine the business without it, without companies like that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you look at Exxon, Chevron, you would think that they're doing that in-house, but Core Labs actually had equipment from those companies that they were basically like, yeah, we give up. We'll, we'll pay you to do this. Here's our old equipment. Wow. And, and Core Labs went in and retrofitted it to make yeah. it operate like theirs. And, um, and it's funny, like the money that they said that those bigger companies were spending on this, like, uh, 
this equipment to analyze wells and things. Core Labs had built something better out of uh, a regular washer and dryer. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so Core, Core Labs is just better at it because they specialize yeah. in it, which is why. These and guys like that are needed for more advanced stuff. Absolutely. Basically. Which yeah. which you would think. So talking to them a couple years ago. The way that they're levered to offshore drilling, so when offshore drilling picks up, Core Labs might be a company to look at mm-hmm. outside of the drillers like Ensco or or um, Sea Drill or um, Transocean or whatever. So um, you keep mentioning offshore here today. Yeah. Do you actually think there's a couple of years down the road that's going to be big again? I don't know how many years, but I, it it will be big. I I, I in my opinion, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say it is, but in my opinion, yes, Got offshore. It. Will be a very big part of this industry. Cool. All right. Well, that is it for the life uh, life cycle of a barrel the of upstream oil. Upstream life cycle. Upstream, upstream life cycle. Life cycle. Maybe we'll get to the uh, the pipelines and the and the chemical fact the chemical refineries and uh, gas stations. Gas stations. And That'll internal the, combustion. The show will culminate with the purchase of a hot dog at the gas station. <laughs> I'll take a taquito. Oh God. <laughs> Three days old. All right. Well, thanks, man. We'll catch you later. Appreciate it. That is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Merkman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.